You're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. Our Christmas series is called Adventually, and today's message is titled, Eventually Your Loneliness Will Be Revealed in the Light of His Glory and Grace. May God bless you as you listen. Well, we're in Advent. Two uh, women were out Christmas shopping already for the, you know, all this Black Friday stuff that was happening, and They stuffed all their purchases into the trunk of their car, and they drove home. But as they were driving home, they passed a nicely decorated local church, and they saw someone from the church assembling an illuminated manger scene on the front lawn. Beside him, someone else from the church was arranging all the letters on the church sign, inviting the community to the annual Christmas Eve service. One of the women in the car turns to the other one and says, look at that church, horning in on Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I'm out shopping, it seems like many of the places that I'm at, not many of them remember the real meaning of Christmas. It's the annual celebration of the birth of our Savior from heaven, Jesus, our Christ. As Luke chapter 2 says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. How often have you heard that? The telling of the Christmas story can become such a familiar and common experience that we can actually miss it, can't we? Each year we recall its tale and we decorate our homes with tinsel and ritual and we, we never can really fully capture the full majesty of the events surrounding the birth of our Messiah. I don't think so anyway, because we simply weren't there. Someone once said, nothing can be truly known through observation, only through participation. And that's true of every aspect of life. I mean, try to explain minus 30 degrees Celsius to someone who is living in Nigeria. And try to explain last Friday's minus 40 degrees with the wind chill, what that feels like. You can, you can know it, but not without experience. And anyone immigrating here, well, they'll come to know it. <laughs> right? But same is true for our first Christmas. Many of you women who have experienced pregnancy, you know what it's like to be pregnant. You know what it's like to give birth. You know what it's like to make your trip to, from home to the hospital. But what about traveling four to five days on unpaved roads from Nazareth to Bethlehem and you're ready to pop? I I know that most of us have in our memories from a movie or maybe a play or a nativity scene planted on a front lawn somewhere, but we see Mary depicted riding on a donkey and Joseph kind of bringing her along, walking through the countryside alone. That's probably not really how it happened. It's more likely that she and Joseph traveled via caravan, not a Dodge caravan, but via a horse and wagon caravan to Bethlehem for the mandatory census that everybody was going there for. Still not a comfortable ride. And what about laying on a bare floor and birthing this unexpected child by yourself with only a construction worker as your birthing coach and your delivery doctor? Must have been a real lonely and fearful experience. And we just can't picture that. Think about... After the birth and the census is over, 
I remember waiting for the birth announcement via the text message from Aaron and then, our, and then three months later from our other son, Jared, to give us the good news that we were grandparents, first with a baby girl from Aaron and Becca, and then a baby boy from Jared and Danica. How exciting that news was. And they were anxious, I'm sure, to share it. But Mary and Joseph didn't have any family to share that arrival with. Again, talk about lonely and fearful. But they weren't lonely, or they weren't alone. In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, we're told that Mary gave birth to her son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in the manger. But verse 8 steps up and it breaks the loneliness and says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I have a question for you. If you were God, think about it. If you were God, who would you announce this miraculous arrival to first? I doubt any one of us would expect that God would announce that his son, the one and only, and his arrival would have been announced to a ragtag bunch of lowly, lonely shepherds. But as we read the experience... That's exactly what happened. And as we read back on the experience of that fearful, lonely first Christmas night from the shepherd's arrival, we're going to learn four glorious truths about us and about our God. The first thing is this. Number one, everyone, and I put that in brackets to to put an exclamation mark there, everyone is important to God. Verse 7, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Isn't it interesting that the invitation of God comes to the most common of people, even the outcasts of a respectable society. We look at our manger scene like we have here and we see this little baby Jesus there and we see the shepherds and we think, oh, cute shepherds, how pastoral, such noble guys. I mean, many of the patriarchs of the Old Testament were shepherds, right? The psalmist refers to the Lord as a shepherd. Even the prophets refer to the coming Messiah as being like a shepherd. So being a shepherd is good, right? Well, in Jesus' day, well, when he was born, shepherds were so far down the list of social misfits that only, the only people lower than them were lepers. Their honesty and integrity was so questionable that they weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. They were mere hired hands, probably out of desperation by a sheep herder. And they lived a very lonely isolated life. So instead of grandmas showing up at the manger, it's these guys, misfits. What could God possibly be saying to Mary and Joseph? What about to us? Could it be that God chose these shepherds because he wanted to show the world that his love was available to everyone? And I mean everyone. He's showing that his greatest gift to humanity isn't just for kings, any more than it is for the working stiff and even the lower of on our earthly scale, people like bums and prostitutes. 
You know, deep down, regardless of social class, a lot of people feel like God just doesn't have time for them. That they're not worthy of His attention. But no matter how insignificant you think you are, this first Christmas experience shows us that God knows you. He has you in His eyes, in His sight. And you are important to Him. You are worthy of His greatest gift of Jesus, His one and only Son, the Savior of the world. The Apostle Paul explains it in, his, in one of his letters, the first letter to the Corinthians, saying this in verse 26, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You see, friends, God's value of you is not based on your achievements or lack of them. God's value of you is based solely on the fact that He created you and He created you in His image and to live in fellowship with Him. God's value of you is based solely on the fact that you were created for God. And He has placed within you His very own breath for life. And that living breath identifies you now. It brings you your identity and gives you an eternal and divine purpose. The Christmas shepherds teach us that everyone is important to God. And I mean everyone. Even all of us. And these shepherds also teach us a second thing. Number two. God has good news for all who will believe. God has good news for all who will believe. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will, bring, it will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Notice with me that the message that the angel brought from God spoke to their most immediate need first. When the angel said, Don't be afraid. The Bible literally is translated there, and they feared with mega fear. They were terrified. And when that angelic messenger suddenly appeared, the angels reacted probably as any one of us human beings would react in that same way. They freaked out with fear. Maybe this past Christmas, or maybe a past Christmas that you remember, where you were also fear filled with fear. Maybe too much fear to even enjoy the season. Maybe it's a fear about your health, your family dynamics, maybe your job, dis your job security, or maybe the economy, or maybe just the world's conditions all around. Think about it. What would relieve any of those fears for you this Christmas? Perhaps some good news? Some good news that would save your family, save your health? 
save your job future or save you in some other threatening thing that is coming against you. The good news of that first Christmas was very specific. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The promised good news was a Savior. A Savior was born, and a Savior was born, he was very specific, to you, to you shepherds. So the good news was a person, and that means that the good news is then personal. Think about it in terms of that first witness of the birth of Jesus. These guys were in a nowhere job. They had a bad reputation. Their families were either ashamed of them or glad that they lived an isolated life out in the field somewhere. And they needed saving. Boy, did they need saving in so many ways. But behind all the social and the personal stuff that they had going on, These shepherds also lived in the shadow of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire allowed non-Roman people like the Jews to live within their borders, to live their lives, conduct their business, and practice their religion as long as they stayed subject to Rome. But along with that subjection came obligations to Rome like exorbitant, excessive taxes. The Roman army could just come along to your home or to your land and take whatever they wanted. You couldn't say a thing. I remember hearing stories from Bonnie's grandmother, Mennonites living in Russia and the Russian army coming into their farm one day, taking everything of value. They even took one of the brothers whom they never saw again. And they left, came back, until this family escaped to Canada. That was life in Palestine where this good news was first declared to these shepherds. And that had been life for Israel for centuries already, actually. They were used to being a people who were oppressed, living as an oppressed people. They were used to living in fear all the time from a foreign dictator in power. And yet, in the background of their religion, there was this old promise from God that he would eventually send a savior to deliver them from their fears, from their oppressors. And for generations, they hung on to that promise. But by the time of Jesus, it was already hundreds of years that they'd been living and waiting for this promise. So when the angel announced this good news of great joy, It was good and joyful because it meant that God's long-promised Savior had finally arrived. And he's not just another wannabe hero. Israel had already had many of those who promised deliverance, who promised to save Israel. But this one would be different. Verse 11 says, He is the Messiah, the Lord. In other words, He is the King and the Lord of heaven and earth. And notice too, verse 10, that this good news isn't just for a privileged few, as we've said. It will be for all the people. Not just you shepherds. Not just us. But for all people. Another familiar scripture describes this good news this way. I'll read it in the NIV. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
God's Savior is available to all, to everyone in this world. The gift of God and His eternal life is available always to all people. And if they weren't terrified enough, though, an entire troop from heaven then fills the sky and enforces that first angel's news. Verse 13, suddenly... A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Imagine, if you will, we're sitting in this room. You don't have to imagine too much of that. We're here. Just kind of look up and around for a minute. Imagine all of a sudden this was our scene, an angelic host appearing above me and echoing this good news to you. What would that do for you? What would that do to you? How could you be the same again if this was our experience today? You couldn't be the same. Neither were these shepherds. It changed them forever. And what kind of favor does, God, does this good news promise then? Well, when we think of favor, we usually think of it in terms of things going our way, right? So does divine favor mean that God will somehow bless your life so that everything works out for your benefit? Sometimes we think that's the way it works, don't we, in the Western church? Somehow, I don't think the shepherds, if they had social media, would have been updating their account that night with the blessed life, hashtag blessed life. It's unfortunate, but even God's favor for us is somehow filtered through our 21st century consumer-driven, me-centric worldview. And to prove it, just look around at what we've done to Christmas in our malls, in our cities. We've stripped just about everything of Christ out of it because it's now me and about me. God has good news for all who will believe to strip away all the trappings of what we think the offer is. And look to his son only. God has the divine capacity to show his loving, saving favor to everyone on this planet. And he has. And he still does today. Number three. Number three. What you do with God's good news actually determines your destiny. What you do with God's good news actually determines your destiny. Look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. These guys could have doubted what they had been told. They could have just ignored it. They could have had any number of excuses for why they couldn't have gone forward and checked out this this story that they've just heard about. Could they just could they afford to leave their sheep behind? Could could they afford to just give up on their jobs for a moment? What if something happened while they were gone? They could have debated the validity of seeing such a miraculous, supernatural, unusual encounter. I mean, angels. Maybe something was in the water that night or the beans. How often does this happen, especially to nobodies like shepherds? 
Sometimes we actually talk ourselves out of responding to God's good news, thinking, maybe I'm not worthy of it. Likewise, sometimes we can reject God's good news because we don't think we can meet the demands of it. It'll just demand too much of us. That was a, really, that was a very real thing for me before believing. I was, before I even knew what counting the cost was, I was counting the cost, and probably many of you did too. The shepherds chose to believe this thing they had seen and heard. December 23, 1999, police in Hampton, New Jersey, investigated a kidnapping, or rather a theft. The baby Jesus had been taken from a manger in a nativity display on the front lawn of someone's private home. Homeowner Candy Concaz uh, told reporters, whoever did this must have really planned this out, you know, like a bank robbery. See, the Messiah nappers left a ransom note demanding $800 saying, if you ever want to see your baby Jesus again, and you can fill in the blanks. Unfortunately for them, little baby Jesus was from Sears department store and cost only $69. So pretty easy to replace for less than $800. A police spokesman said, the case does smack of kids pulling a prank, but the ransom note is kind of unsettling. The note was signed, me and the other kid who was really scared and didn't want to take the baby Jesus the whole time. All he did was say stuff like, we're going to go to hell for this. (laughs) Big news in New Jersey, I'm sure. But can you imagine the big news of the shepherds? The shepherds chose to believe it. They understood what ignoring the angel's message and the arrival of the Savior meant for their own lives, and it showed in their words. See, they didn't didn't say, let's go and see if these things are true. They said, no, let's go now and see this thing that has happened. They had faith. They believed the angel's message. It's not enough to look into the manger this Christmas and say, oh, how cute. Makes me all warm and fuzzy and nostalgic inside. If Jesus is born in Bethlehem, just as the angel said, then that's not something that you can just say, oh, that's cute too. And it certainly isn't something that anyone can really ignore. The birth of the Savior Jesus showed humanity. It shows you and me that we have a problem beyond our loneliness, beyond our daily struggles of family life and work and everything else. We need a Savior who can rescue us from ourselves. Innately, we know that we have messed up and we've missed the mark with God. I think every human being knows that there's that missing piece in their life. And the Bible describes that as sin. It's a sin problem. And just as innately, we know that without the good news of Jesus, we, in fact, the whole world, is without the means of ever overcoming the the result of our sin problem. Our sin has separated us from God. And that sin separates us from the life that God has for us. And we feel that. And people all throughout your life network feel that even this Christmas. Even with all that is promised at Christmas. Even with all the Black Friday sales and all the different department store displays. They feel the separation they have with God. 
Because of that separation from God, that's why we feel alone in this world. That's why we feel powerless to overcome our struggles. Because we are. We literally are powerless to overcome a world of things flown against us. We came, he came to give those who put their trust in him the opportunity to end their separation from God and, make, and made it possible to literally become friends with God. Isn't that an incredible promise? And that's, meant, that's what's meant by God's favor resting on us. And that's why what you do with this good news of Christmas actually determines your destiny. The shepherds teach us that everyone is important to God. God has good news for everyone who believes. And what you do with the good news actually determines your destiny. And number four, we find this. God's good news is, some, is not something to keep to ourselves. From the shepherds, we learn that the good news of Jesus the Savior is not something we can or should keep to ourselves. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These lowly shepherds just couldn't keep themselves from sharing the good news with everyone they came in contact with. When the Bible says that they were glorifying and praising God, it's verse 20, it's describing something like what Saskatchewan would have been like if the riders had been in and had won the Grey Cup here in 2022. I know, I'm bringing up bad stories. This is not good. But there would have been hooping and hollering and dancing in the streets. Wouldn't there have been? Bonnie and I were on Albert Street. We, I think we're going out for some Italian gelato. Uh, on, it's the main street in, in, in Regina when the Riders won the Grey Cup uh, against Hamilton in 1989. 43 to 40. Not a substantial win, but generous enough. The streets were packed with praisers. I mean, this is a picture of it, like guys hanging from street poles and standing on cars and waving banners, and we were there. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if they had played in Regina and won, right? I mean, that would have been huge. But even though I'm not a football fan, I was still glorifying the game the next day with everyone else. The last verse of our text tells us that the shepherds had to go back to their ordinary life. And that's true for us, too, every year, isn't it? The celebration of Christmas is a special time, but when the holiday excitement is over, we pack up all that stuff and we go back, we return to our jobs and our responsibilities, we go back to our families and the normalcy of life, our normal life, but not the same life, right? At least it doesn't have to be. Jesus should not only amaze us at Christmas time. His birth reminds us that just as much as he has rescued us back then, he, he rescues us every moment of our lives, doesn't he? He brings ongoing eternal life every single moment of every day of your life. And that should be celebrated year-round. So how can we ever be the same? Unlike the sporadic wins of the riders, Jesus wins every day. And that means that we who believe win too. 
does that not elicit some form of response from your heart? Daily praise and glory for the one who has changed everything for you. Praise be to Jesus. That's the same kind of praising and glorifying that these rough-around-the-collar shepherds would have expressed. Not just for a season, but I imagine it, they didn't stop talking about it the rest of their lives. It would be like at every opportunity that you get to share with someone in your life network, you'd say something like, wow, I love the good news of Christmas. That Jesus came to save us and to bring us eternal life. That message has changed my life forever. Have you ever discovered Jesus as your personal Savior? I mean, that's not very hard, is it? But that's the kind of testimony that I'm sure was sparked, the news that spread from these guys. And so what if we brought that good news to every person that we meet at Christmas? See, I think that's the kind of praise that brings a smile to the face of God. Probably even more than us being here. It's praise that excites new people that are not yet friends with God and gives them the opportunity to become friends with God. Friend, if you have not yet accepted this good news for yourself of Jesus, a Savior for you, anyone in this room or anyone online, if you have not accepted this gift of Jesus at Christmas, then let me be the first one to tell you this Christmas that you don't have to be alone anymore. You don't have to try to relieve your own sin problem. You don't have to try to be your own everything. You have a God who wants to be your friend and your Savior and your Lord. And He wants to do that today. And it's all possible right now if you will just give yourself to Jesus by accepting Him as your Savior forever. So these Christmas shepherds teach us these things. Everyone is important to God. That everyone is us. God has good news for all who will believe. And what you do with this good news at Christmas actually determines your destiny. And after becoming friends with God, God's good news is not something that you should keep to yourself. Share it. So let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Advent. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for those who are in this room with me and those who are participating online. Thank you that today we have heard and can be confident of the fact that Jesus saves and that we can be friends of God as a result of his work in our life. Lord, be with us throughout the rest of this service as we participate in communion together. And may you be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.